The NBA Dynasty Podcast is back. 30 teams, 30 Dynasty breakouts. We're ready for the beginning of the NBA season. Let's get after it. Welcome back, folks. It's been months, but we are back at the NBA Dynasty Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. Check out all of our content at FBIBasketball.com. And there's so much available there for you. I've put my top 150 categories and points dynasty rankings up there. You can look at my rotation and minutes projections over at my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NBA Dynasty ADP, along with a bunch of premium content that you can access with our all-access tier. And to be honest with you, I've ne- I'm never more excited than the beginning of the NBA season, especially working in Dynasty Basketball, doing fantasy basketball content. This is the moment where we get to see all of the work that we put in throughout the offseason come to fruition, figure out who is going to be the breakout player of, uh, of the season, who's going to be the big name that pops up. We had so many last year, uh, whether you're talking about regular fantasy basketball, season-long leagues, or Dynasty. Uh, if you had Shea Gilgis-Alexander on your roster, Lori Markinen, a Jaron Jackson Jr., Junior, their value shot through the roof. Um, and that's one of the most exciting things about playing Dynasty, about playing fantasy basketball in general, is finding that breakout candidate. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be spending time going through all 30 teams and looking at the depth charts, the, the rotation and minutes projections that I put out there on my Patreon page. You can see the link up on the screen. If you're listening on audio, it's patreon.com slash NBA Dynasty ADP. This is free. This is something that I put up uh, earlier uh, this month to be able to give people an idea of where I was seeing minutes headed in the future. I've done some updates in the version that we're looking at here, um, and I'm going to get this up on my Patreon page shortly after this podcast. You all can take a look at it as well. It's something that I'm going to continue to update throughout the season for my supporters on Patreon to be able to give you the opportunity uh, to be able to see where I see minutes uh, and rotations at that given moment and continue to give that updates because I think that's so vital for being a really good dynasty basketball manager to be able to understand where the opportunities for minutes could come when injuries occur, where rotations are at a given moment because they do fluctuate throughout the season. If you know that, you're going to be a step ahead compared to everyone else in your league. You're going to be able to make the moves that no one else is seeing coming to see them coming yourself. And that's what we're going to be able to focus on today. So let's jump straight into it. Again, this is a resource that's available on my Patreon page. You're going to be able to look at these minutes and rotation projections, updated them right up until the start of the season. I've even made some tweaks uh, since the opening night games uh, with the Nuggets and Lakers and Suns and Warriors. Um, And we'll get to those teams in a minute. They're going to actually be down in the Pacific Division, obviously, um, and, and obviously the Northwest Division as well as we get into that. Let's look first, though, at the Atlantic Division at the Boston Celtics. Um, here, the Celtics obviously have a pretty set rotation, um, and and we now know a starting lineup that's going to, at least at the beginning of the season, include Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and the newly acquired Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Al Horford coming off of the bench, that should reduce his minute load. 
you've heard all about this, but the real uh, opportunity for increase in dynasty value on this roster is likely going to come from the bench because there's going to have to be some players who fill in the rest of this rotation. It can't just be those names that you already know, those star players. It's going to have to come from somewhere else as well. Um, and I, I think, and as you can see here, here, highlighted in purple, the most obvious breakout candidate, the one who could rise the most in dynasty value this year, depending on how the season goes, is Peyton Pritchard who just signed a contract extension before the season, which kind of locks him into a, a modest salary, at least by NBA standards, uh, but gives him an opportunity and an investment from Boston that suggests he's going to be uh, the third guard on this team, that he's going to be coming in behind Drew Holiday and Derek White and as I think, should be playing substantial minutes. I've got him for 22 minutes a night. That's obviously going to fluctuate from night to night, but that's a pretty strong role off of the bench for a player who has shown some good per-minute production, that he can rack up points, threes, and some assists, and is a strong free-throw shooter on top of it. Peyton Pritchard has a lot of opportunity, even just in a bench role, but the real potential comes if Drew Holiday, who is a little bit older, or Derek White, who's had a number of injuries in his career, uh, miss time. And then you could see Peyton Pritchard ascending into minutes in the high 20s. And that's really where that value could spike. He could become a player uh, who shows through increased opportunity that he could handle being a starter down the road in the NBA. Uh, and that's where the value could go up even more. So recently, we've run some startup drafts over um, uh, for my patrons. Uh, those supporters got a first opportunity to be able to join them. We had some people from the Fantasy Basketball International Discord join as well. And we got some ADP, some real cash league dynasty ADP, which I love to get right before the season. It's such an interesting snapshot because it really shows where things stood in the dynasty market right before the season started, how summer league, preseason, all the training camp news and trades of the offseason had reshaped dynasty value. And here for Peyton Pritchard, we've seen a substantial leap. He's moved up to 200.6 in this latest round of dynasty ADP for drafts that just occurred in the last two weeks. And that shows that dynasty managers see what I'm seeing, that there's a real opportunity for Peyton Pritchard to become fantasy relevant this season uh, and that he could build on that from there. I mean, he's obviously not the youngest prospect. I don't think there's a ton of starter upside long-term, but it is possible that he could be a low-end starter across his prime, depending on how these next couple of years in Boston being kind of a key rotation guard workout. Um, it's someone that I'm interested in, might be available in shallower leagues, and I think could have opportunity for value. So keep an eye on that to be able to see if Peyton Pritchard makes sense as an addition to your dynasty roster. Coming over to the Brooklyn Nets, um, this is a, going to be a pretty pivotal season for Brooklyn as they try to figure out what they have uh, in the remains of this team after trading away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, starting over. Um, and obviously, the big story of the offseason was Ben Simmons. Uh, we've already seen his dynasty ADP shoot up significantly. I think he's around 100 in the latest uh, round of data that we put together. And that shows that people are, are slowly warming to the idea that Ben Simmons could become uh, something like what we saw maybe near the end of his Philadelphia career. But it's not the player that I'm highlighting here. Um, the other player is a little bit more off the beaten path. And as you can see here on the screen, that's Dayron Sharp. Uh, Sharp is going to be the backup center for the Nets this year. And I think there's actually been a certain level of investment with him uh, in Brooklyn because we heard in this offseason that you know while the Nets switched quite a bit with Nick Claxton uh, last year defensively, that's one of the benefits of having someone like Nick Claxton that he can switch across multiple positions and defend them. Uh, they're going to play more drop coverage with John 
Jacques Vaughn this year uh, because they want to be able to uh, accentuate the best defensive abilities of De'Aaron Sharp as a backup center. So Sharp, while his role may be limited unless Nick Claxton gets injured, is a really good per-minute player. One of the best per-minute rebound producers in the entire league can also block some shots. You can get some solid field goal percentage. Those traditional big man stats. But I really like the potential for Sharp to be able to develop in this environment, especially with the level of investment that Brooklyn's having in him. This is There is potential here for him to kind of continue in this lineage of Brooklyn centers who are undervalued, Jared Allen before him, that maybe Sharp ends up going on to having a run as a starting center at some point in the league. Maybe Nick Claxton gets hurt, and all of a sudden we see Dayron Sharp in something resembling starters minutes. Uh, if that does happen, this is the kind of per-minute production that you're looking for that has upside that you can stash at the end of your roster and still get some value, even if you're a contending team, even if he is just in an 18-minute-a-night role. Uh, but someone I'm very interested in. Obviously, big, also a big shout-out to Cam Thomas for the potential that maybe he actually does stick in the rotation this year. I, I, I still have my concerns. I, I think Jacques Vaughn is probably uh, being told by the Nets front office that he needs to give Cam Thomas a full opportunity. I am hopeful that Cam Thomas will make the most of that opportunity. But we certainly saw in preseason that there were a lot of the things that make Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas, both good and bad, still on display. Uh, he has the greenest of green lights that he has given himself to take his shot, and he took that in the preseason during extended stretches. Can he contribute to winning basketball during the regular season? Uh, can he find others and play make for others? I hope we see that this year. I hope we see more commitment defensively because he is truly a gifted young scorer, one of the most gifted young scorers in the NBA. It's really just everything else that we need to be able to see from him. And I'm hopeful that maybe we can see that step with regular rotation minutes, with a longer leash uh, from Jacques Vaughn and an opportunity to be able to make some mistakes and still get an opportunity to play consistent minutes off of the bench in Brooklyn. All right, let's head it over to the New York Knicks. And, and this was a team that largely came back intact from last year. They add Dante DiVincenzo, uh, but largely this roster looks almost exactly the same as we saw it when they were in the playoffs last year, knocking off the Cavs and you know, playing a competitive series against the Miami Heat. I, what I want to be able to highlight here is something that we saw in the second half last year that I think has been muted by his playoff performance, and that's Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, Quickly was, I believe, runner-up for six man, man of the year, totally a worthy candidate for that award, and really came on uh, during a stretch, both a little bit before Jalen Brunson got hurt and obviously when Brunson got hurt. We saw some huge performances. We also saw Tom Thibodeau being willing to play quickly uh, over R.J. Barrett at times because of the additional spacing that he provided uh, and the more dynamic offensive play, in addition to improving defensively. I mean, we've seen quickly improve as a rebounder. We've seen him have a better commitment defensively, even though he's a thinner player. Uh, I liked a lot of what I saw from quickly last year, and it made me believe he will be a starter in the NBA at some point. Now, that hasn't happened yet. I do believe it will be coming. It might not happen in New York. He did not get a rookie contract extension, did not get a second contract. Uh, that could come. That will come this offseason. He will likely be a restricted free, free agent and have the opportunity to be able to receive an offer sheet elsewhere. My guess is they'll remain in New York. That's usually what happens. Um, but I still think that there's potential, especially given the fact that the Knicks have maintained all of their assets, that quickly on a new contract could be an asset that ends up being moved this offseason or the offseason following, or that maybe they just end up opening up our opportunity for him to be able to play more minutes 
in this roster um, if other things don't work out or if they make some roster moves across the board. But I do think Quigley has a ceiling that is above this. And right now his ADP is hovering around 100. Um, I think that's a fair place to be able to take him. But he is a player that I think in at his peak is going to jump up and could have a top 50 fantasy season. That That is the level of play that I can see from Emmanuel Quickly, the level of fantasy production that I can see from Emmanuel Quickly, And it could come as soon as this year. That might come with a Brunson injury. It just might come from more trust in time. Thibodeau and a decline from R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes. But I think that there will be opportunity for quickly to be able to continue to grow as a dynasty asset and grow in his fantasy production. The Philadelphia 76ers are up next. And, and honestly, this is, of course, a mess. I mean, this morning we heard reports that James Harden is going to report to back to the Sixers, that it, there sounds like there's some intention for him to be able to join the team uh, after they're done with their first couple of games. Uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, for now, I've I've put him back into the rotation in my projections. I had taken him out uh, after it became clear that he wasn't likely to play in the their opening game. But with Harden or without Harden, what I want to be able to highlight here is the preseason performance and the career trajectory that I'm envisioning for Jaden Springer. Uh, Springer has been a player who's kind of been on the edge of the Sixers roster over the last couple of years, despite being a first round pick. There was a lot of uh, concern that he just wasn't getting much opportunity in the NBA under Doc Rivers. And he killed it in the G League. I mean, if you look at what he did with the Delaware Blue Coats, you see why this was a player that was highly coveted in draft Twitter circles prior to the 2023 NBA draft, or the, sorry, the 2021 NBA draft. Uh, Springer is a player who can produce big assists and steal numbers. He's a defensive disruptor, and that's exactly the kind of player that Nick Nurse loves. Nick Nurse wants to create defensive chaos. He wants players jumping and passing lanes. Springer has the size and length to be able to do that as a guard, to be able to play up with, the, with his physicality to be able to defend some wings. I think that there's real opportunity for him to be in the nightly rotation based on his preseason performance. And if he does, he's a player who could jump up in value fairly quickly because you kind of look at what the swimming lane for this uh, Sixers roster is. There's a lot of players who might not be on it uh, at this time next year. Um, I don't. I I could easily see Patrick Beverly not on this roster next season, and that automatically opens up opportunity for Jaden Springer. There could be significant movement after a James Harden trade for them to consolidate and try to acquire another star player with draft assets and whatever they get back in a Harden trade. That could consolidate things further, and there could be more reliance on Springer, who's at a, a relatively inexpensive uh, base salary, to be able to fill in the rotation behind whatever extra star on top of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey that we have on this team going forward. So Springer is someone that you need to keep an eye out for. I think in a lot of shallower leagues, he might be completely available. Great end of bench stash because of the potential for him as a permanent player uh, to be able to jump up in value. And, you know, if we do see Patrick Beverly miss time, um, if Harden does get moved, that could open up a more consistent role, a bigger role for Springer uh, as soon as those kinds of developments occur on this Philadelphia roster. Now, the Toronto Raptors, kind of like the New York Knicks and to some degree the Philadelphia 76ers, didn't have too many moves this offseason. This is largely the team that we saw last year, just minus Fred Van Vliet. But what we are seeing on this roster and what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused about, because I feel like if you would have told people after Scotty Barnes' rookie year, uh, Fred Van, Van Vliet is going to leave and they're only going to bring in kind of Dennis Schroeder as a placeholder uh, for that spot, everyone would say, well, it's Scotty Barnes season. Here we go. 
This is going to be the moment that Scotty Barnes is going to launch into all-star trajectory. And because his sophomore season was, to be fair, kind of a disappointment, I don't think that we're hearing that kind of discussion around Scotty Barnes. Uh, His last couple of preseason games might have changed that, but then, of course, he got hurt. So I, I don't think the hype has really picked up on Barnes yet. And if I look to his dynasty ADP, it looks like Scotty's being taken at 29.1 on average, which is kind of where he's lived uh, since that rookie of the year campaign. I think that people are still cautiously optimistic on Barnes, that, that they think that he can end up being a really good player. But I don't think what's being priced in here is the potential leap that he could make. This is one of those players uh, who could make that leap from being a top 30-ish guy to someone who's knocking on the door of the top 10, depending on how this season goes. And I think what we saw at the tail end of the preseason is that Barnes may have made some of that leap, that we might be seeing him uh, finish at the the rim stronger, which is something that you should be looking out for in early games this year. Is Barnes able to use his frame to be able to score efficiently at the rim. The first two seasons, the answer has been no. And last year, in some ways, was a regression in that regard. He did have stretches where it improved, but that's a huge problem. I don't know if he's going to shoot right away. I think that could improve slowly, but for to really see Barnes develop next level, it's going to be his ability to be able to drive and finish at the rim and to be able to play make off of those drives. That's where I think he can make a big difference this year. That's where I think the leap could occur. And if that does happen, I think Scotty is going to be a player who could jump up with the Cade Cunninghams, with the Anthony Edwards, into that range that we're seeing them right now uh, because he has so much potential as a player who can affect you over multiple categories and be that consistent on-ball creator who delivers in fantasy across uh, multiple categories at one time. So let's... Now that we're done with the Atlantic Division, I want to take a run over to the Central. Um, The story of the preseason for the Chicago Bulls um, in many ways was Kobe White. White was brought back on a uh, relatively modest uh, contract extension in the offseason. On a new contract in the offseason coming off of his four years uh, with the Bulls so far. And I think a little bit under the radar because people weren't really paying attention to the Chicago Bulls that much last year was that Kobe White actually became a pretty good basketball player last year. Uh, Prior to last season, I I think there was a lot of inconsistency with White. Um, His commitment defensively wasn't really there. Uh, He was uh, not a strong playmaker, uh, to say the least, despite giving opportunities in his first couple of seasons to be able to kind of take the reins, uh, be more of a point guard on this Bulls team. They moved on from that, first bringing in Lonzo Ball, and then last year, you know, playing Io DeSunmu uh, more minutes at times than Kobe White. But with White, uh, now we're seeing the level of commitment. Uh, he has won the starting job as the point guard uh, for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and I think the improvement that we saw of him playing winning basketball last year, uh, better shot selection, giving the Bulls a little bit more three-point shooting that they lack when it comes to DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, um, being able to get a little bit more volume in that regard. This is what the Bulls are looking for to be able to improve this year with with a roster that is largely the same otherwise to what it was last season. So I'm looking forward to seeing Kobe White this year. Um, as far as how dy- the dynasty market is valuing him, I think he's still a little bit undervalued. He's sitting at an ADP of 130.3. And I could see that being uh, something that jumps up pretty significantly very quickly after a few big games here in October and November. Uh, This is a guy who I think will be inside of the top 100 uh, in fairly short order in Dynasty ADP and in Dynasty rankings based on the opportunity he has on this Bulls roster. 
Uh, moving over to the Cleveland Cavaliers, this is a tough one because this roster is largely the same other than bringing in Max Struess, um, Georges Niang uh, coming in as well. Um, and those guys aren't really fantasy difference makers. I think they'll certainly help the spacing in Cleveland, but they're, I'm not particularly expecting them to uh, change the fantasy landscape this season. Even if Struess plays a lot of minutes, we've seen what that looks like in Miami. Um, we've already seen the breakout from Darius Garland. We've seen Donovan Mitchell in his prime, and we know what that looks like with the Cavaliers. It's possible that the leap from Evan Mobley could come this year. You know, we're having Jared Allen potentially out for some time at the beginning of the year. That's going to give a runway for Mobley. We saw Mobley become a dominant player at the rim last year, scoring at the rim and obviously protecting it as well. That was a really important leap and gives him such a high floor in dynasty, in fantasy basketball, that at the very least, we're going to be getting strong big man stats from Evan Mobley. But the thing that we're looking for for Mobley, the reason that I'm bringing him up before I'm going to talk about the potential breakout here that I'm seeing is we need to be able to see Mobley reshape his offensive role to develop something beyond what he currently is offensively. Um, and I think the idea there, the the reason that people were so excited about Evan Mobley is both that he might be able to stretch the ball, uh, stretch from three and shoot at three pointers at a decent volume. We haven't fully seen that yet, or at least and we especially haven't seen them going in at the rate that we need to. And then on top of that, that it could be a little bit of an offensive hub that we're going to see more assists as time goes on. I do think that leap can still happen after last season. I'm a little less confident in it, but I still think that it's on the table. The, his high-end outcomes are still a player who could be a consistent top 10, maybe even top 5 fantasy player if it all comes together uh, the way that we want it to. But with Mobley, I think the 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 opportunity for that might come if Donovan Mitchell leaves. And in an environment where it's the Darius Garland, Evan Mobley show, then we could really see Mobley explode. That's obviously not happening this year. Um, we'll see if the Cavaliers consider trading Mitchell before he's an unrestricted free agent. We'll see what happens there with potential extension talks. Uh, but I, th I think the breakout might not be this season for Evan Mobley. So that le doesn't leave a lot of great candidates because this is a kind of a win-now roster at this point. There aren't that many young players there aren't many you know, breakout potential players. But this is a bit of a mea culpa. Um, I think I was a little dismissive of Amani Bates coming out of Eastern Michigan because watching him play at Eastern Michigan was a brand of basketball that just isn't appealing to me. Uh, he was taking every shot, dominating the ball. Um, and while he's an impressive shot maker, uh, as a draft prospect, there's some serious red flags. Extremely thin, um, unathletic, based on combine measure measurements. But uh, Bates obviously is skilled and the Cleveland Cavaliers from everything that we've heard in training camp preseason, they really like him. They think that he can be a real difference maker as a scorer in this league. And there is an idea here. And I think it, it, I don't know how quickly it will happen. I think it could happen during some point this season that he enters the rotation, uh, for the Cavs because of what he can bring, um, as a three point shooter. And that is the big thing that kind of changed my mind on Imani Bates is seeing through summer league um, and then the preseason, the confident three-point shooting that we're getting from him, the level of three-point shooting, that kind of volume um, with his length, uh, with his height, that gives real opportunity for him in his career. Because if you have any amount of size and you can shoot, you're going to play in the NBA for a while. I think Imani Bates has that. And there's obviously a, a good amount of ball handling skill there. Uh, there's potential for him to be able to become a player who isn't just focused on his own scoring. 
I'm interested. Um, and obviously people are even more interested than me because his dynasty ADP for a player who's on a two-way contract who was taken in the second back half of the second round, uh, it's extremely high. Uh, his a- dynasty ADP for this month, 216.8, 216.8, uh, which brings him into relevance in most dynasty leagues, uh, which have decent depth. That's a little rich for me. I don't think I'm willing to get to that point, but I'm at least acknowledging the the potential that there there is a potential for that kind of breakout where he could become fantasy relevant, become part of the Cavs rotation, um, and it's going to be something that I'm going to be watching closely to be able to see not only you know how is he doing for the Canton Chargers, but how is he looking if he does get opportunity to be able to come off the bench if there are injuries uh, for the Cavs in their rotation. Uh, do they look to add Bates in to get him in there? Uh, because in the preseason, it looked like they were interested and they were testing that out. So I, I want to flag that for you all. Bates might be available in your league. There's probably bigger Bates fans in your league than me, probably bigger than you as well. He's been one of the most hyped players uh, in recent memory. Obviously, he's had a little bit of a, a windy road to be able to get to the NBA, but uh, the trajectory is positive and it looks like he might have some real opportunity in Cleveland. In Detroit, uh, the story of the season is whether Cade Cunningham is going to be able to make the leap that we're all hoping that he can. Uh, we've been touting him him here in you know my spaces for now over two years, and I think that Cade is going to have a huge season. Uh, someone that I believe in, that I've had high in my dynasty rankings for a long time. I think that breakout is happening, but the breakout that I don't think we're even fully accounting for could come from Asar Thompson. Uh, Asar has had an awesome summer league preseason run up to the NBA regular season. He looks so much more prepared for the NBA than I think anyone thought possible coming out of overtime elite. He looks immediately like one of the most disruptive defensive players that we've seen coming to the league in a long time. He's going to rack up huge steal numbers this season and across his entire career can give you solid blocks and one of the big developments uh, across both summer league and preseason is this kid is an incredible rebounder. He's going to put up big rebounding numbers. And guess what? He also is a plus passer who's going to rack up out of position assists uh, and get, add that to his fantasy repertoire. So if there's any degree of scoring, and I think there will be in transition, I think that he's going to be able to get some easy buckets. You see how well he sees the game. His feel for the game is going to make him a strong cutter. It's going to allow Kate Cunningham to be able to get him easy baskets. I think that there's real potential for Asar Thompson to be a top 75, maybe even pushing a top 50 player in eight cap per game rankings this year. Uh, that kind of breakout could be there. And and if we're if we're talking about a guy who's hovering around the top 50 in per game value value in his rookie season, that almost necessarily pushes those guys into the top 20 of dynasty rankings. Now, I know that that kind of sounds crazy for a guy who I think at this point has now pushed up after a strong run-up to the regular season to an ADP of around 44, uh, which is closer and I think almost identical to my dynasty ranking. Um, he His ADP had been lagging behind that. I think in dynasty rankings, he had been lagging behind that across the industry. Uh, but I think people have come to the realization that this is a really special fantasy prospect and, and a special NBA prospect. And I think a whole nother leap could occur in his dynasty value if he has the kind of rookie season that I think is possible here. Especially now that we are already seeing um, Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be out for at least four weeks. That's creating a huge problem for 
the Pistons. Uh, they're going to be missing Monty Morris for some time. They're they're missing Isaiah Livers for some time. So there's going to be a huge dependence on a sore to play big minutes. And we saw that Monty Williams is willing to play him big minutes in the preseason. Uh, I think it's wheels up for a Asar Thompson breakout. For the Indiana Pacers, uh, Aaron Neesmith signed a contract extension this past week. Uh, there's a good degree of investment in him based on that to be at least a rotation player based on the money that he's going to be making over the next few years. Uh, but what the development that we saw in the preseason really tells me that this could be a player on the rise. Neesmith had a nice season last year for the Pacers. I liked a lot what we saw from him. It pushed him up the rankings for me. And then it felt like the wind was taken out of the sails uh, by the additions of Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin um, and just kind of the reality that this was a crowded depth chart where maybe there wasn't room for Neesmith to uh, play big minutes. And I still think it's a little crowded, but the fact that they're finding a way to be able to play him, having him backing up Obi Toppin at power forward, potentially over Jairus Walker, shows that they're invested in making this work with Neesmith. Um, he can space the floor. He put up some pretty good defensive metrics last year and showed some competence as a defensive player. He's got the frame to be a good defensive player. Uh, this is the kind of wing that the NBA values, and I think that he could have a really nice season. He's undervalued in, in a lot of dynasty circles at this point. As, as ADP is too 260.3 uh, for a for, former first-round pick. Uh, that's relatively low considering how well he performed, but I think it was a little bit under the radar in the preseason of how much improvement we saw from Aaron Neesmith. Um, some improvement on ball um, and, and certainly improvement in consistency. And that's what we're looking for this year. Can this guy be consistent? Can he give consistent good production off of the bench? I think that could continue his trajectory to eventually being an NBA starter, whether it's in Indiana or somewhere else. So he's a player that I want to look out for this season that you should be mindful of um, who could have a very bright future. All right, the new look Milwaukee Bucks with Damian Lillard. This was an interesting roster because almost everyone's a veteran on this team. There's really only two guys who kind of qualify in the realm of prospect who could be breakouts, Marjan Beauchamp and Andre Jackson Jr. Beauchamp looked like he could even potentially start after the Lillard trade occurred, and then preseason happened, and now it looks like he's not even going to be on the rot in the rotation on opening night. I'm a little lukewarm on Beauchamp. I didn't see a lot uh, coming out of the G League Ignite or his rookie season to make me think that there's a lot of fantasy potential there. Despite being a defensive player, the defensive stat rates aren't great. Um, so I, I'm I'm still waiting. I'm not you know writing him off entirely, but I'm not feeling great about it after this preseason. But what I am feeling pretty great about is Andre Jackson Jr. Um, out of UConn, national champion. Andre Jackson Jr. is uh, kind of like uh, some of the guys that we saw Sam Presti and Troy Weaver bringing in in Oklahoma City over and over again. These athletes, the kind of uh, wing size, uh, who just couldn't shoot. And if only they could shoot, then maybe they could be an NBA starter. And a lot of those guys never shot. But we have opportunity for Andre Jackson to be the next version of that. And, and maybe it can work. And at the price that he's available, uh, you know, I think his dynasty ADP, uh, around 259.2, so similar to Aaron Neesmith. He's available. He's available relatively cheaply. And I think that from what we saw in the preseason, Jackson Jr. Um, has more to him than maybe some realize. Incredible athlete, great feel, uh, can be the on-ball perimeter defender that this Bucks roster does not have. They're going to, I guess, put Malik Beasley on the other team's best perimeter player. Uh, I, I will uh, posit that that might not work 
And there's potential that they're going to need to have a kind of a defense first player to be able to defend the other team's best perimeter player, best on-ball creator. And Andre Jackson can be that guy. That's how he was used at UConn at times. He's also a great team and help defender. Uh, He has that ability as a rookie to be able to come in and be a defensive stopper. If he can show that, and if he can do anything offensively, not only is he good in real life on defense, but we saw the defensive stats popping up through the preseason. There is uh, uh, some strong rebounding, and, and this guy is a plus passer. He can handle a little bit. He, can, he, he, he sees the court really well. Um, so there's so much here that to like. Cannot shoot at all. But there's so much else to like and so much opportunity for a Bucks team that needs to be able to find rotation pieces that fit around these their star players. He could be that fit. And if he finds his way into the rotation, if he's consistently there, I mean, if, if possibly if he ends up taking over from Malik Beasley in, a start, in that starting role to be able to add some defense to the Bucks starting lineup, it, that's on the table. And it's on the table for a relatively cheap price. Definitely a player to watch. Definitely a player to stash if you can. Um, I like Andre Jackson Jr. a lot. And I didn't necessarily feel that way coming into the draft. Uh, but everything that I have seen from him, and especially what I saw from him this preseason, told me that there might be something special here. All right, that takes us through the Central Division. Uh, let's ha- hop on down to the Southeast and talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Um, one of the big stories, obviously, of Summer League a couple of years ago was Jalen Johnson. Absolutely dominated, dominated at Summer League. Then Nate McMillan did not play him at all. Um, I, I think he literally had like a couple dozen minutes for the entire rookie season. Um, was impressive for the College Park Skyhawks, but ultimately just nothing came out of a really good summer league uh, for the rookie year of Jalen Johnson. Last year, things started to change. We started to see more of Jalen Johnson, um, especially a lot more of Jalen Johnson once Quinn Snyder came on. And we even saw Jalen Johnson playing in the playoffs, in the play-in game, in the playoffs, and looking like a player that Quinn Snyder trusted. And if you don't really know a lot about Jalen Johnson, he was an extremely high-level recruit who had a pretty disappointing season at Duke. There were questions around his character, whether he was a team player. Uh, But this is a guy who is a point forward kind of at his core. Uh, At least that's the, the way that he came up. Big body, power forward size, but can handle, uh, can take the ball in transition. Um, and this this kind of player type, and he can also shoot a little bit. I mean, the, the three-point shot is a little wonky, but it's he's a willing shooter. The big difference, the thing that changed everything last year was suddenly Jalen Johnson became took his physical tools, his frame, and became a good defensive player. And that completely changes the way that I view Jalen Johnson. I liked him before. I love him now. And I love the way that Quinn Snyder is reacting to him and wanting to include him. We saw him starting during the preseason at points. I don't know necessarily uh, if we're going to see that right away this season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sadiq Bay because that's what Snyder did at the end of last season. He started Bay more often than not in that power forward slot. But I think that we're going to be looking, he started him actually at small forward with John Collins at power forward with Collins gone. We have an opportunity uh, to be able to get Bay into the starting lineup again. And I think that is going to be where we had at least initially 
but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Jalen Johnson overtake him. And I, th- I, I think he's going to play a big role off of the bench for the Hawks. I think that there's opportunity for him to be an incredible pick and roll pairing uh, with Trey Young. I love his ability to be able to be a passer at his size. The fantasy stat set is there. He's not a good free throw shooter, but kind of everything else that you could want for fantasy is there. It's extremely fantasy rich stat set. Um, and the dynasty market has reacted probably because of hype from lots of people, including me, um, and a strong preseason performance. Jalen Johnson coming in at a dynasty ADP of 98.9. That is obviously rich, but I think the fantasy stats set and the opportunity and the performance so far warrants it. And to me, I think he could break out beyond that if he does become a starter this year. If he starts playing 30-plus minutes a night, the fantasy production will be there, and this could be a guy who's pushing into the top 75 easily um, within a couple months. So keep a close eye on Jalen Johnson. Obviously, if he has a slow start, if he's not starting, that could be the final buy-low window that you could have for him. So keep an eye on that. For the Charlotte Hornets, yet another dramatic offseason. I don't include Miles Bridges within my rotation projection here for the Hornets because I at least think he should not be with the team this year. Um, He's obviously suspended for the first 10 games, now facing additional criminal charges, at least in a criminal indictment. And we're looking at a reality where uh, Bridges probably is done with his time playing for the Charlotte Hornets and might be done with his time in the NBA as a whole. I'm moving him way down in my dynasty rankings. um, And I think you you just cannot rely on someone who uh, not only did what he did last summer, but then followed it up with the, uh, what was now a, alleged um, against the mother of his children uh, in in the past few weeks. The fact that that has happened again and the recurrence of domestic violence, that, that kind of pattern is something that is probably not going to go away based on what we know about domestic violence. So I'm not investing in Miles of Bridges in Dynasty. Uh, I regret moving him back up because I think foolishly, I thought that maybe he, that we were going to you know, regretfully just see him continue on with his career as it had been left off. That might have been what could have happened, but clearly he cannot control his own behavior to be able to stop from putting himself in these situations and putting others in harm's way. So I'm not relying on him going forward. What I am going to be looking at here on the Charlotte Hornets roster is the possibility of a big year from Brandon Miller. Um, I know that a lot of people were soured by Brandon Miller in the preseason. I think he's in some ways a little bit underrated at this point. It's not a prospect that I love, but There is going to be more opportunity for him this year. Steve Clifford, who notoriously hates rookies, seems to like Brandon Miller. Um, I think he'll be coming off of the bench, but he'll have a good year. Uh, But for a guy who could kind of have a mini breakout, uh, and I think that's kind of where we are with this Hornets roster, JT Thor should have a regular rotation role. Um, He's a developing three-point shooter. The idea here would be kind of like a 3 and D guy uh, with some ability with size to be able to also kind of defend up and down a little bit. And I don't know if it's going to happen for Thor, but he doesn't he didn't even register an ADP in our recent startup drafts. He's completely off the radar for everyone, uh, but should be in the Hornets rotation. And to me, that makes him interesting because he's he was came in as a kind of a toolsy, really young prospect. Um, we knew it was going to take some time, that it was going to be raw, but he's kind of hit every checkpoint along the way. And this is the kind of player where all of a sudden you can see that big leap, where everything starts to click. And then maybe he starts producing defensive stats at a much higher rate because he has the physical gifts, physical tools 
to be able to do it. So that's something to watch for. And that it's kind of more of a watch list breakout. I'm not, you know, betting the mortgage on it, but if it's a player to keep an eye on, watch those stat lines for Thor. Keep an eye on him during early on in the season to see what he does with the opportunity with Bridges out. I think that this there could be something here and is a player that I'm keeping an eye on. But the Miami Heat. Few had a more disappointing offseason than the Miami Heat. They failed in their attempts to get Damian Lillard. And this is largely the same roster except bringing back Josh Richardson, losing Max Struess, losing, um, losing a few of their other players from the rotation. But again, we're coming back now with Thomas Bryant potentially as the backup center. I, I admittedly... I had hoped that Orlando Robinson was going to win the backup center job here. Um, that doesn't look like the, what is going to happen coming out of preseason. I think we're going to see Thomas Bryant as the backup center. But Orlando Robinson is good. We saw it in summer league. We saw it in college. The fantasy stat set is awesome. Um, he can he can shoot a little bit from three while giving you all the big man stats that you're looking for. They've developed him well. I think Orlando Robinson has a future as, you know, at least as a floor, as a rotation big for a long period of time, and maybe even a future starter. And with the Miami Heat, we always need to be looking at who they're bringing in on the back end of this roster. Who are the guys that are coming in from the G League? Because no one does a better job of turning guys out of the G League into NBA star role players, starters. This is the team that does it. So whether... It's Jaime Jaquez and Nikola Jovic when it comes to first-round picks. Or if we're talking about guys like Jamal Cain, who had really strong preseasons, keep an eye on the back end of this roster. Keep an eye on Orlando Robinson if it doesn't work out with Thomas Bryant. And I'll admit, Thomas Bryant had a nice preseason. I think that they've done a good job of kind of uh, accentuating his strengths. If he's going to start shooting well again, he could be pretty interesting. He's got great size. If they can get him to use that size defensively and give them anything defensively, he can be a backup center in this league. I just really like Orlando Robinson. Robinson. I think the market might cool on him. There was some uh, off-season hype on him. He ended up with an ADP, I think, around 225 in our recent startups. So people are in on Orlando Robinson, uh, but that could sour if he's not the backup coming out of the gate, which I don't expect that he will be. And then there could be a buy-low opportunity for him as the season goes on and people move on to other hyped prospects. Let's talk about the Orlando Magic and I think one of the more interesting thing developments of this preseason was that kind of unexpectedly we saw that Jalen Suggs was locked in as the starting as a starting guard next to Markel Fultz uh, for the Orlando Magic. And I think there was some belief that maybe it would be like last year where we'd see a lot of Gary Harris uh, in the starting lineup. Uh, but the Magic seemed to want to give the keys to Suggs. Suggs was a more willing three-point shooter, shot the, the three pretty well, even though the volume wasn't quite as high as we want it to be. Um, if that's the case, if he can hit the three, if we're seeing the shot fall a little bit more consistently, we know the stats at here is going to be a high assist rate, a high steal rate. That is an automatic ticket to strong fantasy production. And based on where Suggs started his NBA career in Dynasty value, this was a guy who was being taken around the top 50 in Dynasty startups um, kind of before we got into his rookie year. There could be a huge jump for him if he starts producing anywhere near what our expectations were for him coming out of Gonzaga. So keep an eye on Suggs. Uh, people still aren't really buying in, uh, which I found interesting. His dynasty ADP is sitting at 121, which is kind of where it's been uh, for a while now, where people are you know, still not giving up on him, but not overly enthused about where he's headed. I think that that could see a huge leap if he puts up some big games in the early going with the opportunity that he's going to have on this Orlando roster. 
All right, let's close it out in this division with the Washington Wizards. Obviously, a team in flux. Uh, we could be see some pretty ugly tanking toward the end of the season. Love, 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 love what we saw saw from Bilal Kulabali during the preseason. Kulabali uh, looks like he could have a Herb Jones-like rookie year where he's just putting up enormous steal numbers, playing minutes in the high 20s, even if it's off of the bench. Um, I really love this kid. I loved him in the pre-draft process. He was high in my pre-draft board uh, because I saw so much fantasy potential in him. The offensive game is going to take a few years. He doesn't really have a place in an NBA offense right now, but he's a smart kid. I think he's got the physical tools to end up being a productive offensive player with more development. And there needs to be patience on that end. But in the meantime, I think his defense is going to keep him on the court because he might be coming into the league as like a top 25 defender right out of the gate. And that maybe that's not even high enough uh, because the, the tape that we were seeing in the preseason, the way that he already understood how to rotate defensively and disrupt dis- defensively against NBA players uh, was phenomenal. And the, obviously, he's extremely long, um, extremely physically gifted. So there's all the tools here uh, for him to be a perennial all-NBA defensive player. And I think that there's some real chance that you know maybe he makes more of a leap offensively than we think. But the, the breakout that I want to be able to highlight, the potential breakout, is Daniel Gafford. And this is a complicated one. So Gafford's ADP is around 100. Um, I think people understand that he's about to have a strong season ahead. But... But the issue here is that Gafford is going to end up maybe putting up top 75 numbers this year. I don't necessarily, and I think his dynasty value will rise, but I don't necessarily think that long-term that's where he's going to lead. So this is my advice. If you have Gafford, wait for those big numbers to come. And especially if we're getting weeks and months into the wizard season, you want to be ready to make the move, uh, to trade him away, to be able to find something long-term, more sustainable. I don't know if Gafford is a big-minute center uh, long-term. I think that's hard for anybody to be. I think there's only a small list of players who are locked into multiple years of being a big-minute starting center, where it's not kind of situational, depending on what their roster looks like, where they're not at threat of someone else being brought in over top of them. Most centers are facing that issue. And Gafford just doesn't have enough offensively. And defensively, while you know he, he has, depending on what site you look at, the defensive metrics are you know positive. Some places, they're pretty dreadful. Um, there's some degree of rim protection, but it's it's in some ways more chasing blocks uh, than actual impact on winning on the court. I'm not bought in. And maybe he'll change my mind this year with this opportunity. I think there will be a breakout in his value. I think his dynasty value could shoot up significantly because of the numbers that he could put up with like Danilo Gallinari behind him. There's really nothing at center behind him. But I think there will be soon on this roster. I think there's a strong possibility that Gafford could end up being drafted over by the Wizards in the near future. You can see someone like a Donovan Klingon coming in uh, for the Wizards uh, in this upcoming draft class. Um, and Alexander Saar, you know, maybe not necessarily a center, but someone who could take over some of the role, some center minutes um, in Washington. Any number of things could happen. And they also could be bringing in players through trade and free agency. This is going to be a roster in flux. And if we've learned anything in recent years is that we have to be careful with these rosters in flux, especially at the beginning of new regimes. A lot of these players, maybe almost all of them, will not be on this team in two years. So any kind of value that you're seeing early on from these teams uh, in with players who are popping up in value, 
always be a little bit skeptical because we can get over our skis, get too excited over some of the players, young players who are just giving being fed minutes even though they haven't earned them. And long-term, it's not sustainable. We're going to try to sort through that throughout the season. We're going to try to figure out what's real and what's just based on being fed opportunity on a bad team, figure out what's empty calories and what's sustainable long-term. But this is a team where I'm especially cautious um, with some of the performances that we're going to see this year, Gafford especially. But I think there could be a really good opportunity to be able to uh, trade him to be able to acquire more sustainable long-term value. All right, let's keep it moving and head on over to the Dallas Mavericks. And here I've, I've gone back and forth. Uh, there's some reports that maybe, you know, if Luka Doncic wasn't going to be playing ten, tonight, which it sounds like he will, that Derek Jones Jr. would be in the starting lineup, uh, that Josh Green might not be. Josh Green obviously signed a, you know, modest contract extension, uh, maybe a little bit less than some people thought. There hasn't been that entire organizational commitment into Green. I think there's still a good chance, and I project, that he's going to be able to start this year. Um, and I think there will be points where he does start. I've liked what we've seen from him some of the times when Kyrie and Luka have been out. Uh, he's scaled up to a bigger offensive role. I like Josh Green. I wanted to have him as my dynasty breakout, but there's enough red flags that make me a little bit cautious there. It could still happen. Uh, I'm going to flag Jaden Hardy because I think that there was some view that he was an empty calories guy, that there was not really a future NBA starter here because his G League Ignite season was a little me first, uh, a little bit focused on taking bad shots and not playing within team concept. I don't think that was entirely Jaden Hardy's fault. And I think we saw a lot last year in his rookie season to suggest that there's real potential for Jaden Hardy to be a long-term starting shooting guard um, or at least combo guard in the NBA because there's developing playmaking ability here. He's got the physical frame that he could end up being a at least adequate defender. Uh, it's not like he's one of these uh, you know real thin, smaller guards. He's got enough to him that I think he could end up playing the two. And if there is an injury or any kind of situation with Kyrie Irving, there is an absolutely, or Luka Doncic, Jaden Hardy could walk into an incredible role and put up big numbers. We saw that for stretches last year um, in Dallas uh, when both Luka and Kyrie were out. I think that we could see more of it from Jaden Hardy. I really like him. And it looks like the dynasty market really likes him because we're seeing Hardy moving up uh, to a ADP of 131. That's, the highest that he's ever been. Um, and so a lot of people are, are anticipating a strong season from him. I think we will get that. And I think there's potential for more. Heading on over to the Houston Rockets. Um, there's a lot of people that we could potentially tout here. A ton of young prospects. Uh, and obviously now the additions of Fred Van Vliet and uh, Dylan Brooks. But what I want to flag is something that developed in the preseason. Now, Alper and Shanguna, up until the final preseason game, did not have a good offensive preseason. It was actually pretty horrible. It was some of the worst offensively that we've ever seen Alper and Shangun look. Uh, I think that from what everything that I've heard, we heard uh, Kelly Eco from The Athletic talking about how Shangun is really trying to listen to this coaching staff and play the way that they want to play. I think he's trying to find how he fits into this Ime Yudoka offense and the way that they want to play offense. I think he'll get there. This offensively, uh, this ki this kid is like near genius level in the way that he sees the game. Uh, incredible vision for a big man. I think he's got great feel offensively. Uh, the reason that I'm highlighting him as a potential breakout is because based on his fantasy production in his first couple seasons, you would think that this guy would be in the top 20 of dynasty rankings. The reason that he has been held back from that is because it comes with the caveat of, yeah, the offensive game is really, really precocious. It's impressive. It looks star level, all-star level even. 
But defensively, is this guy going to be able to stay on the court? And that's the reason that I think his value has been suppressed to some degree despite producing the way that he has as a young big with this kind of diverse fantasy stat set. What we saw in the preseason was the best defensive tape that we've ever seen from Alper and Shangun. And don't take my word for it. You know, I, I watch this stuff. I love it. But Sam Vecini, who I think is one of the smartest analysts out there, uh, took a look at the uh, defensive tape over the first uh, few preseason games for Shangun. He broke it down on YouTube, on his Game Theory YouTube channel. And you can see the level of activity increasing with Shangun, the way that they're using him, no longer just putting him into deep drop, having instead be a little bit more aggressive at the level, show and recover, keeping him moving, not having him just backpedaling and losing his momentum, which is just kind of the worst way to use an athlete of this type. Because Shangun, yes, he doesn't have amazing lateral quickness. He is not going to be, he's not an explosive athlete, but he has great hands. He's extremely smart. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that if you keep him active and engaged defensively and have a coherent defensive system around him, he can really put up impressive performances, even defensively. And you saw that with some of the defensive stats that he was able to pull together. Now, if that can happen, if he's able to do that, then Shangun is going to be able to launch so much higher uh, in our valuation in Dynasty. Because if we have certainty, this guy can stay on the court defensively. He's not going to be a liability the way that we thought he might be. That is going to put him into a different stratosphere. If he gets the confidence of Emi Udoka and that question mark is removed, then it's wheels up for an Elper and Shangun breakout. And that's what I wanted to be able to flag. Now for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Xavier Tillman is kind of launched into dynasty breakout status because of the injury to Steven Adams. I think Tillman is a good player. I think we saw that at the end of last year when Adams was out. We saw that in some of his playoff performances. I think he's going to have the opportunity to be the starting center while Adams is out of the lineup. And I think he's going to make the most of it. Um, so while maybe, maybe I don't necessarily believe that Tillman next year will be the starting center for the Memphis Grizzlies or for anyone, I do think that he's going to establish himself as someone who's going to have a very long NBA career and have fantasy relevance for a long time and probably will get other opportunities to start across his career. Uh, so for someone who was, I think, taken outside of the top 250 on average in dynasty drafts uh, from this past month, uh, there's a lot of value here. He's obviously going to be shooting up just because of this current year opportunity, but he's a player that I like and someone that I want to flag as having long-term dynasty value, not just short-term value in this upcoming season. Now, the New Orleans Pelicans um, are facing a ton of injuries at this point in the season, uh, but this is going to create opportunity for some of their young players, and I think Dyson Daniels could be the one of the players who makes the most out of that opportunity. Um, Daniels is a guy who could put up big assistant steal numbers, kind of similar in the vein of what we talked about with Jalen Suggs before. Uh, I think that he could eventually shoot the three pretty well. He was a willing shooter in the G League. I think that Fred Vinson's going to be able to get in, into a place where he's at least a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, has a solid handle. Uh, there's a lot to like here, especially because defensively, he could become a really good defensive player almost immediately on a team that already has Herb Jones and that needs defense around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. So Daniels, I think, has a great opportunity early this year. I think we could see some numbers early this season with a lot of injuries, and that could really jump up his value. 
in San Antonio, we're already seeing the breakout from Jeremy Sohan in dynasty value. Um, his ADP jumped up significantly in this latest round after he was announced to be the starting point guard. I love, we've also seen a big jump for Devin Vassell, who had a great preseason, signed a huge contract extension and looks primed uh, for his best NBA season to date. But I want to flag Zach Collins because while people seem to be kind of in on the idea of Collins, I think he could end up rising even more than this. He just looks like such a good fit next to Victor Weminyama. And I do think that this is what the Spurs want to do. We flagged this one when Yamo was drafted by the Spurs, that they were going to put him next to a center uh, and that they thought that that was the best way to be able to maximize him. And through the preseason, they certainly looked right because Victor playing next to a center, it worked. Victor was incredible. I think he's going to have a phenomenal rookie season. And I think Zach Collins is going to have an extra, extremely strong season because we need to remember that Collins, you know, despite all the injuries and everything else, was an extremely hyped fantasy prospect, had an amazing block rate coming out of Gonzaga, looked like he was going to be able to be a multi-category big, uh, just not the traditional big man stats, also be able to give you some threes if he can stay healthy, if he can put it all together and the Spurs are investing in him with that contract extension, I think that this could be an even bigger breakout for Zach Collins and he could be a long-term piece for them. That it's not just a temporary fit until they're ready to move Victor to center permanently. Victor will play some center, but I would not be surprised if for a number of years, maybe even longer, Victor is next to a more traditional center and Zach Collins is exactly the kind of center that makes sense to be able to put next to Victor because he can still open up the lanes for Victor and not clog it up um, because he can stretch it from three, uh, because he can still play on the interior and play against the other team's more traditional big man defensively and let Victor roam and absolutely destroy people uh, with weak side rim protection. I think that's what we're going to see this year and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Let's jump on down and talk about the Denver Nuggets, the defending champions. We saw them last night, and uh, I think there was some concern coming out of the preseason that dynasty darling Peyton Watson might not be in the rotation. Thankfully, he was. Uh, we didn't see a ton of minutes from Watson, uh, but we saw him hit a nice three. Uh, we saw him block him block a shot. We, we saw the things that we like about Peyton Watson. And last year in the G League, we saw an incredible explosion from Watson, who barely did anything at UCLA, all of a sudden become an incredibly strong multi-category fantasy player in the G League. And then at the end of the regular season, we saw him get opportunity to do that in limited minutes for the Nuggets. They are invested in Peyton Watson. They need these cheap, young rotation players to work out. I think that I'm continuing to invest at Watson, even at ADP. Right now, he's sitting at an ADP of 153.1. I think he can rise well above that as the minutes become more consistent, as they lean on him a little, a little bit more off of the bench. He's the rotation player that I'm most intrigued with out of a group of solid ones with Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, Hunter Tyson, Jalen Pickett. Uh, there's some interest in Julian Strother, who also had a great preseason season, but wasn't in the rotation last night. I think we're going to see Strother come back in. I think we'll see some of Hunter Tyson this year. We might even see some of Jalen Pickett, but it's Peyton Watson that I really believe in as a potential future starting player who has a great fantasy stat set, who could really explode in the long term and be a dynasty breakout. Heading over to the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, I'm really interested in uh, what we could potentially get in the future from Jaden McDaniels. Um, and his ADP is, in some ways, is declining right now. Um, he's down to an ADP of 110.9, where this was a guy who was well inside of the top 100 last year. I think that despite having a breakout season in many ways last year, being extremely efficient, being one of the best defensive players in the NBA, McDaniels offensively was muted enough, uh, and partially because of his surroundings, but 
partially because he just hasn't developed his game enough there yet, that people maybe don't see anything further from him, that maybe this is all that there is. And I would posit that having the level of efficiency that he did, there is potential for him to scale up. We haven't seen it consistently. I understand that. But this level of defense will give him opportunity to scale it up. And this is a player who was more of an offense-first player coming up as a prospect. Um, And we need to understand that in the future, McDaniels, could realize that potential. And if it comes all together, if he is able to put it all together, um, he could rise to a whole nother level. And that's why I flagged him as a dynasty breakout. Now, going over to Oklahoma City, where we've had plenty of dynasty breakouts in recent memory, uh, the one that I want to flag here is a guy who uh, came on to have some strong minutes in the G League last year, limited minutes with Oklahoma City. But Usman Jang um, is really getting a lot of confidence and investment from the Thunder in, through this training camp and preseason period. And it looks like he's going to be playing some backup center minutes this year, especially with Jalen Williams out to start the year. I think we could see Jang as the primary backup center behind Chet Holmgren. And that's going to create incredible opportunity for him uh, because at 6'11", with his ability to be able to shoot the three um, and the size that he's developing, the muscle the muscle that he's been putting on since his time in the NBL, I really think that Jang could, has... Uh, a, a ceiling that is not being appreciated by his dynasty ADP. Uh, Jang came in at 167.6, which is solid, uh, but for a prospect who is a lottery pick, who has shown some flashes, has some opportunity, I, I think that there's more here, and he might be being undervalued by the market at this point. Definitely someone to watch through the early games uh, with the Thunder, and I'm looking forward to being able to see what he can do, maybe with an extended opportunity at the early, in the early going this year. Let's go out to Portland. This is obviously a new-look roster with Damian Lillard out of the way. DeAndre Ayton coming in uh, as the starting center for this roster. And here, it's not necessarily a bet on Ayton being a significantly better basketball player going forward. It's the reality that Ayton's dynasty ADP used to be much higher in his early days in Phoenix when he was playing on worse teams and putting up big stats. I think that could happen again. I think he's going to probably have a big season. I think it's going to get people excited about DeAndre Ayton and fantasy again. And kind of like we talked about with Daniel Gafford, I think that we likely need to consider this as an opportunity to sell Gafford or to sell Ayton like we want to sell Gafford after those big numbers start coming. Going over to the Utah Jazz, it's kind of a mess. There's a lot going on in this backcourt. Taylor Horton Tucker likely starts to be able to start the year. I think Jordan Clarkson will probably start with him. Keontae George, though, is the player to watch. And I think by the end of this year, Keontae George could and should be the starting point guard of this team and the primary on-ball creator for this team. And there might be a buy-low window where maybe he's not giving getting big minutes early on. Maybe we're seeing more Chris Dunn, Colin Sexton, and we're not getting a ton of Keontae George. That is going to be your moment because everything that we've seen through summer league and the preseason with Keontae suggests that this kid has an incredible opportunity to be a primary on-ball player. Um, and that might be a lot to ask, but at the very least, we've seen a whole other level to his game than we saw at Baylor. He's He came in in better shape, thinner, more explosive, and that kind of changed everything for how he performed on the court. And I've moved him up significantly in my rookie rankings, my dynasty rankings for that reason. And I'm going to be extremely interested to see how he's used early on in Utah. If he's used lightly, I think that will change quickly and that will create a buy low opportunity that we should all pounce on. All right, let's head down to the Pacific Division, our last division, our final group of teams here. And with the Golden State Warriors, the story of the preseason was, of course, Jonathan Kaminga, who uh, was doing it 
in every way possible, whether it was post-up, ISO, you know, driving to the rim. He found a catch-and-shoot. He was doing a little bit of everything uh, for the Warriors in the preseason offensively, and it was that leap offensively that we hadn't seen. We saw the defensive leap last year. He actually became a solid to good at times defensive player, was able to use his size uh, on the court, his athleticism on the court, and apply it defensively. That gained some trust from Steve Kerr. We're seeing the offense jump that other level now. Um, despite getting in foul trouble early on, I really liked what we saw from Kaminga this past uh, this past night, and he could have ended up playing more minutes because he ended up closing over Andrew Wiggins. And if that trend continues, if we see, Wiggins, if we see Kaminga continue to close, that could create an incredible opportunity in the long run uh, for Kaminga, where his minutes could get it up into the upper 20s. That's that's around what I'm projecting now. And eventually, I do believe that he's going to be a starter and a fantasy star in the NBA. I'm going to be moving him up significantly in my next rankings update because I think a lot of the potential that we hope for from Kaminga is coming to fruition. Yes, the return of Draymond Green will suppress some of that in the short term, but I think we are seeing that Kaminga can be a part of that rotation, of that core group, that he can play alongside Draymond, that he's not going to be entirely limited by it. In the long run, we shouldn't let kind of any kind of short-term blocking from Green prevent us from seeing the, the potential uh, for Kaminga to become a fantasy star. Going out to the LA Clippers, this is obviously an older team, uh, but I want to be able to highlight someone who used to be kind of a dynasty darling, and that's Bones Highland, who looks like he'll be the primary point guard once he's healthy and available for the Clippers. Highland obviously has a really fun fantasy game, uh, big scoring, threes, assist numbers, good free throw shooter, kind of all the pieces that you're looking for from a point guard type to uh, drive fantasy value. Uh, the question is, can he play winning basketball? Um, and he got forced out of Denver for almost nothing, uh, cast off to the Clippers. He has opportunity again because he's extremely talented. I think he'll continue to get opportunity, and we could see that breakout from him, uh, kind of like we saw from Emmanuel quickly last year. This is a guy who's being taken around the top 100 in Dynasty, um, I think even just a season ago. So you could easily see if he stringed, strings together good games, his Dynasty value skyrocket back up. And that's always something to look for, you know, like Kobe White. Kobe White used to be a guy who was taken inside of the top 75, I think even top 50 in dynasty startups. And now you're going to see that skyrocket back because there are believers. There are people who expected these players to be great. Their dynasty value is proportionate to those expectations. Then they disappoint. And then we get this post-hype comeback and they can jump right back up to where our expectations were. I think that's what could happen for Highland. Going out to the Los Angeles Lakers, who we saw last night, um, one of the stories of the preseason for the Lakers is that Jackson Hayes outplayed Christian Wood. Uh, he looked really great. Darvin Ham talked him up. Hayes is a post-type guy who we really loved as a lottery pick because of his potential big man stat set, putting up huge field goal percentage, rebound numbers, blocks. And Hayes now looks like he might be able to be that post-type sleeper, the guy who kind of comes out of nowhere to have fantasy value again. Uh, the minutes were a little inconsistent last night, but I, I think he's going to be part of this rotation consistently. I think he's a good per-minute producer. Um, I don't think people are entirely on to him yet because his ADP is around 257. So there's still a lot of room for him to grow from there, um, even if it's in a limited role. Maybe he can do enough this year to be able to get a big contract next year or at least a bigger opportunity. Uh, a player that I'd be looking to see is, a, is a, if he's available in your 12-team leagues because I'd like to be able to have him at the end of my bench because of that potential. 
All right, going out to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this is a really big opportunity for a lot of these bench players uh, around this star core. And last night, I think we saw what I expected from Drew, Drew Eubanks, who was just a good basketball player. Um, we saw this Nurkic-Eubanks uh, combination last year for the Blazers. I think in many ways, Eubanks outplayed Nurkic. And I wouldn't be entirely surprised if that happens again. Even though Nurkic had a great game last night, we know Nurkic, uh, the chances of him staying healthy, not that great. And Eubanks is just going to keep showing up and keep putting up good numbers, good performances, being what the Suns need from a big man, which is just solid play. And you can get him relatively inexpensively. And I think th there's a possibility that he comes by the end of the season and is starting because Nurkic is hurt or he, Eubanks is just more effective. And right, that means that you could potentially be getting a guy who could be a starting center later this year uh, at an ADP right now of 239.1. That's a very low asking price. And he might be available in your league. See if see if that's something that you can acquire off of, uh, off of waivers, depending on how shallow your format is, or acquire a relatively inexpensive in trade because I think it could return uh, pretty nice dividends throughout this season and maybe even into next year because this is going to be a team that has limited ability to be able to add uh, big money players around their star core. They're going to have to rely on players like Eubanks and I wouldn't be surprised if he's back next year doing something similar. Finally, made it. Team 30, the Sacramento Kings. And I want to talk about Keegan Murray. Loved Keegan Murray coming into the draft uh, before last year. Uh, loved the fantasy stat set, even though obviously he his stats were a little bit inflated being in an Iowa system that made everything about him. But I think in a lot of ways, Keegan Murray validated what we thought about him uh, pre-draft last year, even though he did it in an extremely small role, a 15% usage role, shattered the record for rookie three-pointers, uh, looks like one of the best shooters in the NBA, looked competent defensively last year, which is great for a rookie and a player that I think there were some questions about his athleticism. I think he's going to be closer to the 20% usage that we saw from him in the preseason this year. And I think there's room to grow even from there further on in his NBA career. We've seen it in summer league and preseason. When this kid gets the opportunity to have an expanded role, he delivers. And I think he's a good player. I think he's a guy who at the very least is going to be a lot like a Tobias Harris where you're just going to get these like consistent year after year, top 50, top 75 seasons, uh, keeps giving you exactly what you need in fantasy. You can rely on it. You can expect it. Uh, I see him as extremely high floor. And I also see that ceiling, the potential that as the usage grows, uh, we could see more from Keegan Murray going forward because he's a player who will play to his role and will deliver in the role that he is asked to play. And I only see that role increasing going forward. We did it. We went through all 30 teams. We got you 30 breakout potential candidates. I am so excited for this new NBA season. And I hope you stick with me here on this podcast network. I'm going to be continuing to bring you shows uh, throughout the regular season, continue to bring you content at both FBIbasketball.com and on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NBA Dynasty ADP. I want to thank you all for the opportunity to be able to uh, provide my content to you uh, because it is just been awesome to see over the last couple of years how much support I've received from the fantasy community, received from all of you. I cannot thank you enough, and I am so, so looking forward to what the future has in store. I will see you all next time, and enjoy the start of the NBA's. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us, and for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.